0: Bloody Elbow presents the MMA section, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA section with me Zane Simon and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking to you guys about this week's UFC card. Going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, featuring a top ranked middleweight bout between Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland, on top of a card that is really honestly, you know, a pretty good fight night to end the year on. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I don't last,
2: know. Last week's card I thought was pretty solid, and in the week of I was like, Wait, this kind of sucks for a pay-per-view. This week's card, I was I had completely written off because, I, I, frankly, I don't care that much about the main event. Yeah. Um, not that it's a bad main event. It's just very typical sort of UFC main event. Let's pick one of the bigger divisions, pick a couple fighters. It's fine. But the undercard is
1: super solid for a fight. Mm-hmm. It's it actually really
2: a, quite a stacked card.
1: Yep. Plus two. I mean, you, may, you say you don't care about the main event. I'm but like i i do care it just doesn't like I- excite me you know we but we have very like specific dueling psychoses in the main event that's true that's true it's crystals versus it's it's crystal it's crystal, crystal power versus crystal meth <laughs> that is a very good way to put it <laughs> Yeah, that is absolutely
2: right. Astrology uh, versus antisocial personality disorder. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> crystals versus crystal math is perfect. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good fight. It'll be fun. Yeah. I I, I enjoy both of these guys' uh, fighting styles. They're both mm-hmm. weird middleweights, which of course I love. It's just um. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's just a little too close to the norm in a year that has seen, by my, my recollection, at least 19 Anthony Smith main events. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: You know, like, just give me, like, a featherweight contenders fight in the main event, for God's sake.
1: Yeah, no g- kidding. G-
2: give me bantamweights. Give me lightweights. Give me welterweights, even. Enough of these big boys,
1: you know? I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. At least middleweights are always weird, though. It's not yes. like light heavyweights where they're like even the best ones just start to naturally get boring after a while somehow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Somehow. Um,
1: um Yeah. No, it'll be good.
2: It, uh, yeah. I don't mean to complain. It's just, it is not the thing that I looked at the card and I realized, Oh, this is much better than I thought. Yeah. The undercard yeah. is quite solid.
1: No, it's a great undercard and honestly get all the way down to the bottom of the prelims and like, yeah. You know, Monal Kop against David Dvorak
2: on yeah. the prelims. Sergey Sergei Morozov, uh yeah. Journey Newsom is the curtain jerker.
1: Yeah, and that's a it's fun a, fight. It's a good fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, be yeah well let's talk about it. let's let's dive go ahead and dive into this main event yeah. between Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland. Two men who seem absolutely like they would be frontline speakers at a QAnon talk. Hmm. Uh, I don't think Sean Strickland would be a speaker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. He, even even the QAnon folks would be like, hmm, you know, this guy's a little salty for my. I don't think
2: he would want to. I think I think Sean Strickland's more the kind of guy you would find at the QAnon convention, sort of voluntarily patrolling the bathrooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what what yeah. are you protecting us from? He's like, you never know. Yeah, yeah. He just doesn't explain himself. He's got a gun. <laughs> yeah. Jared Cannonier is definitely speaking. Yes. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean an interesting dynamic. These are two they're 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 such middleweights. Yeah. And I don't even know how Sean Strickland was a welterweight. Clearly his destiny, his entire career has been to be a middleweight because he's perfect for the division.
1: He's got I think, this mm-hmm. I think it's just one of those things where like perception has to become reality. Because when Strickland first got to the UFC, Mm -hmm. we kind of thought he was, you know, like he seemed like a a fighter and like maybe a little intense, but nobody really knew anything weird about him. Yeah. He was just a dude. He had like long hair for a while early Mm -hmm. in his career and all Mm -hmm. that. You Tar- used to be nicknamed Tarzan. If you yeah, know, you're going way back in the history, he had that really uh, pretty
2: dull fight with Luke Barnett, where he had a ponytail. Yeah, he had like the samurai top knot. I remember.
1: And, and so you know, I think it was one of those things where, like, when he first got here, it's like, oh, you're a normal fighter doing normal fighter things. Welterweight's fine for you, and it's only that as the public perception of who he really was. Uh, became clearer and sharper and we're like wow you're one of the weirdest people on the ufc roster yeah which is packed to the gills with really weird dudes yeah that's when it had he had to move up to middleweight because (laughs) perception becomes reality and like
2: it's true it's not just the personality though i mean obviously he's got an insane personality but he does have a very middleweight fighting style in that it's like it's extremely
1: idiosyncratic but it didn't used to – even that didn't used to be that way. It really uh, – when he first got here, when he was fighting, like, Bubba McDaniels yeah. and, uh Luke Barnett and even, like, you know, Ponzinibbio and Alex Garcia and all that, like, yeah, we saw some – okay, he likes to pump his jab a lot, stuff like that. But the whole, like, Terminator hand trap thing – it really was. He's
2: around. become more himself, but he's always yeah. had this strange, upright, looks like he yeah. should be extremely hittable, but. But uh, he's,
1: but it's also just very determined about it?
2: Yeah, and is like, um, just like w- insanely focused. So, yeah. like, he's just not as vulnerable as he seems like he should be. Yeah. Um, he's just always had this really unique approach to the boxing, and he's got a fairly narrow game even though he will wrestle people um he's got nasty ground and pound yeah but uh mostly there's like one slice of the fight that sean strickland wants to have even with somebody like alex Pereira he's like i'll go out there and do my weird striking thing he's yeah. just a he's just such a middleweight to me
1: i'm just saying that he he's become more that guy over for there. sure that is that is very true and jared
2: Cannonier, um he approached it from the other direction. Yeah, yeah. And it's om- <laughs> that's very true, weight wise. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost become he's he's kind of a weird middleweight. He's kind of a like a light heavyweight. <laughs> still. Oh, weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: He's super powerful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's he's surprisingly crafty. He's one of yeah. these fighters who has very little structure to his game. Um, but he is clearly a thoughtful fighter. He is in there paying attention to what his opponent is doing and trying to come up with ways of punishing, ways of countering them, ways of connecting to different parts of his game. And he's also just a beast. So, like, he can kind of cheat his way through the other phases of the game and be quite effective there. If mm-hmm. Cannonier grabs onto a fellow middleweight, typically he ragdolls them at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, just because he's a beast. And, um, God, so like, I think what we're looking at here, very likely a super strong, comfortable start for Sean Strickland. Because can you, right? He tends to start slow. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: He tends to have to adapt. But like I said, he doesn't really have like a structure. This isn't exactly a guy who starts like by working his jab and turning his opponent and, and like forcing them to reveal their hand. No. He kind of just goes out there fairly square, uh, guard up, but doesn't exactly have systematic defense of any kind. Like, he has to suffer the consequences of not knowing what to do before he figures out what to do. Yeah. As the fight goes on, it also seems perfectly likely that he might just completely destroy Sean Strickland with, like, one or two massive punches.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Is it like we were talking about this going into the Pereira fight, and it was just like Yeah, Sean Strickland, he makes his he's made his style work against a lot of people. Yeah. But there's a reason you don't fight that way. The, yeah, there's a reason you don't fight that way. And it is once you start getting up to the highest levels where people really can hurt you continuously, where it's not just like Oh, this guy's big and strong, and he's gonna throw some wild stuff, and one or two of them might catch you. But like, no, this guy knows how to throw these these strikes often enough that they will land, you know, regularly throughout the fight. If you're not, if you're there to be hit, you will be hit hard over and over again. And once Strickland has gotten to that point, there's nothing. Built into his game to protect him. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, it was just incredibly obvious going into that. fight. It's just like, he's going to go walk forward and try to hand trap Alex Pereira. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna, he's going to get destroyed. Like he's, he's not going to, he's, he's just not, even if he sees the left hook, he's not going to, he's not going to move. And he even now, like even, you know, he just said this week on, you know, one of the uh the twice, three times yearly time yearly points that people want to put a microphone in front of him. Yeah. He just was like, I wouldn't do anything different if I had to do that Paretta fight over again. It's like he never does anything different.
2: Yeah, it's like of course you wouldn't. <laughs> he, he fights the way he fights. That's why he's a middleweight.
1: Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it does really seem like once Cannoneer starts to figure out the timing and the the pace of of Strickland, which, you know, like, as you noted, could be a really bad first round, even first two rounds for him. Yeah. He's just going to start hitting him really hard. Yeah. But he will have, I mean, it, it, it,
2: it could be you know, shades of what Robert Whittaker did to him. Obviously not as, like, smooth and classy, but he, I mean, even higher volume. Like, yeah. Robert Whittaker just lit Cannoneer up with this jab every time he wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Sean Strickland is just going to be tapping him, annoying him, just busting his nose up over and over and over again. Um it's true. Cannoneer's toughness is a saving grace there. The other thing is, though, is that <clears throat> Sean Strickland, only ever gets knocked out really early in the fight. There is that the the only time people actually KO him because again, the reason he has, he has made his bizarre idiosyncratic game work for so long is uh, he has, as I've always said, he has great eyes. He's very focused. He's aware of what's coming at him. And uh, yes, he's like leaning back and flapping his hands and losing his stance and doing all the wrong things. But he is hyper-aware of what he is open to because he's always open to it. Um, So I think it'll take a while for Kananier to find the openings. And the the only other time that somebody has, like, brutalized... The only time somebody's brutalized Sean Strickland late was Kamara Usman, who put an insane amount of pressure on Strickland. Yeah. and Cannonier won't do. He won't do. Yeah, he doesn't have... The process to do it. He doesn't have the footwork, he doesn't have the like building weapons, the jabs. There were some good signs in that direction against um, Adesanya.
1: Uh-huh.
2: You know, he had some good ideas and continued yeah. to find um, those ideas later into the fight. The body shots were really nice, the uh, strikes into the clinch were nice, but it's not sustained or consistent. Yeah. So Basically, it's like Cannoneer has to uh, get lucky with one punch, and he's more likely to get lucky than most other fighters because he has huge power, but I just don't know that that's a super reliable way of actually, like, you you could land that punch, and if it's late in the fight and Strickland is no longer cold and it doesn't stop him, he might still win the round because he's going to be doing a lot more than Cannoneer. Yeah. So I am going to take Strickland just because I, I really don't think – I think Cannoneer has to get to him early to actually take him out. And otherwise, I think Strickland can afford to drop around even, suffer a knockdown or whatever. I don't really trust Kananier to, like, put it on him and
1: keep it on him
2: the way he's going to need to.
1: Yeah, it's hard, man, because, like – we really are getting like Strickland is really just kind of starting to wade into the waters where he's, he's going to be fighting again, a bunch of guys who could hurt him. Yeah. You know, true. it's like, you know, coming up through middleweight, Jack Marshman, Brendan Allen, Christoph Yakko, Uriah Hall, even Jack Hermanson. Yeah. They're big. Some Hall's a big striker. Mm -hmm. But he's also one of the most notably pressure-prone fighters to ever fight. You know, he's somebody who can be pulled off of his game entirely by the right kind of opponent. Yeah. And the rest of them are fine, but they're, you know, like I was talking about earlier, they're the kind of fighters who they might land a big strike once or twice in a fight, but they're not going to be, hmm they're not out jerry can they're not uh robert whittaker
2: can you way closer to potato than any other middleweight strickland has faced yeah is the point right like it's the point, he, yeah. he faced dangerous powerful guys at welterweight yeah. um and they tended to beat him yeah granted i i i continue to be a revisionist for his fight against ponzanibbio which i felt was quite close
1: sure Um, but but Ponzanibio and Zaleski dos Santos, you know, and then Alex
2: Garcia is a guy who sort of self collapses. So that has another wrinkle to it.
1: So it is one of those things where a lot of what Strickland does is, and you know, him having good vision, it's not, he still gets hit. Like, you know, it's not one of these things where his good vision just keeps him out of trouble all the time. It, it means that he sees the punches that come at him and can, uh, you know, usually brace accordingly.
2: Yeah. But I, but I maintain that all those powerful guys who actually beat him were like seriously renowned for their consistency.
1: Yeah.
2: Nibio, Usman, like they kept the pressure on Strickland for 15 minutes straight in their fights. Yeah. Garcia didn't lost. Um, so I don't know. I think that might be a key thing here. Like I really do think you got to kind of slow cook Strickland and 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 provide yourself with as many of those opportunities as you can. Because uh, again, unless you catch him cold, um, then one punch is just not enough to. It's not enough to beat him in the later rounds of the fight. It never has been anyway. Yeah. Mm. He is tough, man. He's a very. He, I know fighter. he's tough. I know he's tough. I, I don't no, know. I it's the he, he's he's so consistent in his bizarre way that um he just picks up rounds on people while they're like waiting to yeah i mean I, of- I,
1: I have almost no doubt that strickland could win the first two rounds of this
2: you know that seems very likely yeah
1: and then the question is just will canonier have lost so much ground in that process that yeah he will be you know, he'll be jabbed up and hurt to the point that he can't create the kind of exchanges he would need to steer the fight away from Strickland and take rounds back just even with big yeah. moments. Yeah. He might have
2: like an eye closed or something by that point. Yeah. But I also think, um, can't is that particular kind of psychotic. Like he, the Robert Whitaker fight was brutal. Yeah. <clears throat> he still came back and hurt Whitaker in the
1: last 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. No, he, he, I'm going to pick Cannoneer. I mm-hmm. just, I can't see Strickland doing what he does. That upright hand trappy. Don't, I am proud of not learning lessons <laughs> that Strickland has just feel like Cannoneer gets too sharp as the fight goes on. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna pick Cannonier to to land it eventually. Yeah, I can easily see Strickland outpacing him, but I can easily see
2: both. I, I think this yeah. is a fairly coin flippy fight. That uh, I've often been impressed with Cannonier's ability to find openings and come up with ideas late in the fight.
1: And maybe it'll be like last week with UFC 282, where we were both right. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you were like, well, if he doesn't take Jan Blachowicz down, what is he going to do? Is he, is he just going to, like, go out and strike with him? And I was like, hey, he'll probably survive. And I think he'll get the takedowns eventually. And mm-hmm. he he actually got way, chewed up way worse than I would have expected on the yep. feet right away. <laughs> yep. And then he did come back and still found the takedowns. Yep. So... I, this
2: this could very well be the exact same kind of thing. It's like yeah. we are both just sort of leaning on the two things that are both going to happen one after the other. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I just need to be convinced that that is a way to beat Strickland, having never actually seen that
1: before. It's true. And I, I, I get the feeling with Strickland that it may be there are a collection of fighters at the top of the middleweight division. Mm-hmm that he is just not likely to ever beat yeah like
2: i have no doubt that um the yoel romero of like four years ago <laughs> would have destroyed strickland the question is how much is cannoneer like romero he's a he's yeah. he's a good bit like romero but he's not yeah. romero
1: yeah <sighs> it's too bad that uh Costa is leaving because is he I mean, he's, he had turned down a six fight contract with the UFC and he's got one left against Robert Whitaker coming up. I will be, I will be pretty surprised if he resigns with the UFC, just given, given the personality he has. I mean, if he wins, he might actually, he might, he might, yeah, improve his bargaining position,
2: but I don't think, I don't think he's going to
1: win. No, that would be, (laughs) I think now would be the time to do a contract, buddy. Well, I think he wants to go and get on, like, the celebrity boxing kick or something like that. They could probably make more money elsewhere. Good for him. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, but I would have. Lo- I would love to see Paulo Costa fight Sean Strickland at some point.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That, that would be a fascinating contrast.
2: <laughs> absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, well, you know, pa- Costa, honestly, is like... Um, he's not talked about this way but he is genuinely one of the biggest stars in the ufc yeah he he has a huge online presence like people love his just sort of like shithead trolling on the internet he's really good at it yeah yeah. Like he makes me laugh i don't even like him and i and i see half of his tweets and i'm like oh my god yeah i have to laugh he's he's a funny guy you got to give it It to him so yeah uh he'll probably actually do okay with that outside the ufc
1: Strickland opened at plus-130, dropped to minus-117, currently at minus-114. Cannonier opened at minus-150, jumped up to minus-103, currently minus-107. We are dead even in the odds here. That works for me. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a lightweight bout. Armand Sarukin, Demir Izmagulov. Now this is a co-main event, folks. Yeah.
2: This is Patty Pimblett, Jared Gordon bullshit on a pay per view. This is a a pay per view quality main event, a co main event.
1: It is. It really is. Very good fight. And what a fight to pick, too. Because. Yeah. Demiris Magulov is. He is like the prime. He's such a great example of what, like. He's he's my kind of fighter. Really he's fighter. good technical schooling <laughs> yeah. will do for you. Yeah. You know he's probably like a B plus athlete, maybe.
2: Yeah, B even. B but he's even. Extremely well rounded and sharp everywhere.
1: Yeah, just yeah. His striking is super consistent. Commands range well. He's got really good form on all of his strikes. He gets in on takedowns really well, wrestles well, grapples well. And then at the same time, and that's like, you know, that has kept him winning for almost his entire career, except for one loss very early on. Mm -hmm. But we have also seen in like back-to-back fights, him just go out and get like, Crushed at some point and have to battle his way back through that. So there's obviously like a point where there's a speed and power gulf at play that he is he can adjust and compensate for just for how technical he is Mm -hmm. and for how consistent he is. And like honestly, too, just what a wonderful, fast, and persistent jab this man has.
2: Yes, he does.
1: Just one of my live favorite something.
2: one of my favorite fights in the last few years. Um, one of my favorite, I should say, like uh, performances. Yeah. His fight with Joel Alvarez. Yeah. He just here's a gigantic man. It's a it's like a comical size difference, and he just goes out there and just lights him up. Everything starting with the jab. Yeah. A, tech, a boxing masterclass by MMA standards, like the kind of fight that happens when Robert Whittaker fights a run-of-the-mill middleweight.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: Beautiful, beautiful boxing performance from him. He's awesome. He um, is. a rare all-terrain fighter, and he really has belief in like in his technical precision. Because what I always notice is how insanely calm he is, even yeah. when. Things go very, very pear shaped. Uh, is does not freak out. He's just a super consistent fighter. He is my mm-hmm. kind of guy.
1: Yeah. And so on the other side here, we got Armand Sayukin, who is quite clearly a very high caliber athlete. Mm hmm. Especially in, like, I think a bit in the. Um, oh, ma'am. Scott Bra- uh Yeah, Scott Brady way. Mm hmm. Is that who I'm thinking of? The welterweight? Who yeah. Trained with, yeah, Scott Brady. He had the fight with Chiesa, that guy? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like his name's not Scott for some reason. I don't know why. Sean, Sean Brady. Sean Brady. Brady. There we go. Sean yeah. Brady. Mm-hmm. It's like, Scott doesn't sound right. It, it, it sounded right to me at first, too. I, so. I, I mean, he's a white dude from, from Philly. Scott is, like, really <laughs> prime probable, probable territory. Yeah. But, hey, uh Scott, how you doing? Yeah. yeah. What water? What yeah. water? How do they say it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not going to try to pretend to be to, to, to get the, the Philly dialect. Yins, Yins can call me Scott. <laughs> that one I know. <laughs> but uh, Sean Brady, he's got a bit of a Sean Brady thing, I think where like what really makes him special athletically is just how strong he is. Yeah. You know, maybe not necessarily the fastest or the most coordinated person in the world, but just a ball of tireless muscle. Um, and a, more so, I don't than even puts Sarukian above that. I mean, like
2: <clears throat> I think with the stuff that he's he's well schooled at, like, Sarukian is really smooth and fast. Like, yeah. When, when
1: this guy's wrestling
2: and hitting takedowns and, and scrambling, he looks like GSP. Yeah.
1: It's it's true, and and you know you. you It would be probably enough to make Sean Brady a title contender in the welterweight division. Is that he is tireless, unlike Sean Brady. That is
2: a huge part of his game. The the real downfall, um, which even though he definitely deserved to win, I felt was was very much exposed in the Gamrot fight. His striking is is clunky.
1: Yes, and that's what I was getting to. Is that right? I think I mean, and it got really disguised for a while because he does have such a well-rounded and he looks his game looks so smooth when it's functioning right and when he has the yeah. right kind of opponent who uh can't avoid the fights he wants to have yeah then you see so you there, and you're like wow this, this guy can do everything you know he's
2: striking serviceable
1: yeah But that Gamrot fight, when he had somebody he couldn't wrestle, and this happened against Islam Makachev as well, but it was one of those things like that was a short notice, first fight in the UFC, you know, okay, we kind of expect a few growing pains thing. Here we are three years later against somebody who's a lot like you, not a great striker, tireless wrestler, great scrambler, maybe not the absolute apex of... Dynamic athleticism, mm-hmm. but a, a good a good high level athlete. Mm-hmm. And what happened then in that fight was suddenly you see can and there's a kicking game that he is very comfortable with at range. Mm-hmm. And then there are punches that he will make himself use, and making himself use them makes them somewhat effective. But the fact that he's making himself use them quickly becomes apparent the more time he has to depend on them, you know. And, uh, and he just doesn't—he
2: doesn't have the, um, like the decision making of an experienced striker. Yeah, like knowing when to do what
1: thing, <laughs> basically. Yeah. That, um, in particular, that's a, that's a better, more complete way of saying what I was getting at. That. Okay. The more Sorry. he has to make decisions as a striker, the more he has to rely on it. The yes. more you can tell that he's having to force himself to figure out what decision to make.
2: Yeah, and yeah, and frequently comes up with weird ones like the yeah. uh, against Gamrot. Like right from the jump, even he was. Um, Gamrot wants to throw a big silly right hand. Gamrot's not a good striker, you know. No. Like this guy, there are many ways for an actual. Uh, like disciplined, experienced striker to take him apart on the feet if they can stop his wrestling.
1: Yeah, I mean, we yeah. saw that against Peniel Dariush.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Gamera, man he's a white man. Yeah, although also a, a good striker when he cares to be. Yeah. Um, And Gamera's coming with these big, wild right hands, and right off the bat, uh, uh, Tsurikian is like, I'm going to check left hook him. But he, he didn't hit an angle with the hook. He's really just like a step back. Left hook. Yeah. And as we have said so many times on this program, that is not um, the counter you want to be winging out there first thing before you've even had a chance to get a bead on this guy's right hand. Uh That's a, okay, I have this dude's timing. I'm pressuring him. I'm feinting. I know exactly when he's going to throw the right hand and I'm going to nail him. It's that kind of counter, it's a dialed in counter. And he, he doesn't know that he kept leaping in with these his own big wild right hands just not like he just needed to just jab to just jab Gamrot up it would have yep. worked so well he was pressuring him he should have just stuck his jab in his face doubled it tripled it quadrupled it backed him up like that and made his his life miserable but he just kind of waited around for gamrot to take the lead and went for with, with very low percentage counters yeah for much of the fight, so as much as he he still deserved to win and landed the better shots and stuffed almost all of the takedowns, um, he didn't do nearly as much as he could have to definitively win.
1: Yeah, and that makes this fight interesting because, you know, I think it's all it's going to come down to like can Sir, can out wrestle? Yeah, Demir is Magulov. He that might even point. be able to hurt him. In in a in a second in a moment, there might be a moment where so you can, can just step in with something big and wild and catches yeah. magulov Like I say, is We're talking like B B plus in terms of like speed and n- power and natural athletic ability.
2: Yeah, I don't. Th- I think it's it's less likely. I mean, yeah
1: and Alves are both A.
2: They are top flight athletes.
1: They are really insane, fast
2: twitch athletes. And Kutat is a really, actually very good, tricky striker. Yeah. And Alves is a madman in a way that Sarukin is not. Um, I would actually be surprised if he manages to do what they did to Ismagulov. So yeah, to me, the entire question of the fight is, can he out-wrestle Ismagulov? Because if not, he's going to get boxed
1: up. Yeah, and that's what I think. I gotta pick his I, I've gotta take his Makulov here. Yeah, sure I think so. that Saryukin so is gonna keep struggling against guys that he doesn't have a h- clear huge wrestling advantage over. You know, guys like Alvarez and Gia- Giagos and Frivola who are all, you know, scrappy and fun, but can will give up opportunities to be wrestled either because they think they can fight off their back or because they're focused on being aggressive. That, um, those are the kind of fights where, so you can, can really, he can just cascade everything he does. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, the wrestling is here. You have to worry about that. Now, the fact that I'm, you know, not, the best striker but I try I, I'm trying things I'm making decisions I've got some speed I've got some power Um and I'm willing to go out there and make stuff work every single round you are having you have to respect that because you have to respect my wrestling too you have to pay attention and be thoughtful about my striking exchanges because there's a wrestling exchange coming up after if you don't if you're not paying attention if you're just like oh I can just outbox this guy but people who can wrestle with him people who can scramble their way back up who don't get stranded on the ground with him and can be confident that can just they can hang out and they can have that rough and tumble fight with so you can where they land a little bit better every round Mm -hmm.
2: so yeah and and granted none of these guys are ismagulov or anything close but um ismagulov is he's been pretty damn near impossible to out-wrestle for his entire career.
1: Yeah. No, he's just really well-schooled. Very sturdy.
2: He's always at the right distance. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. huge. Just getting in on a good shot against Dismukulov is difficult. And then he, again, he is just himself a very strong technical wrestler. So even if you get into good positions, you're not just going to blow him out of the water. He is going to find his underhooks. He's going to get head position. He's going to try to take the angles away from you. Um, and it's going to make it a brutal fight every step of the way um, for you to actually convert even a good, clean takedown attempts. Yeah. So he just seems like he has a, it's one of those classic matchups where one guy is just much better suited to the other dudes, a
1: game mm-hmm.
2: than the other way around.
1: So, I mean, so you can, you know, he is, he is a champion. He, he, he may not be like,
2: oh, well, he'll get he, there.
1: He might be the insane level of athlete of like, you know, you're uh, talking specifically, you know, talking about uh, somebody like Rafael Alves or Rafael Alves, which seems like a silly thing to say, but like Rafael Alves is an insane athlete. Yeah, he's
2: utterly formless, which is why he's not better, but he is a ridiculous athlete.
1: Yeah, so you can may not be the same like a plus there, but he is the kind of fighter that. He's the kind of athlete that should have a title a title fight in their future
2: someday. I think he will. I just yeah. I mean I, th- this is why just, I wasn't that upset about him yeah. being robbed by Gamrot because I'm like he needs he does need more time. That fight yeah. it,
1: should, it, it it just might be the kind of thing where he really, you know, and he's, he's already been around for a minute. He's 7 years into his career, but it might just be a very you're a good athlete you have you haven't had to have a nuanced game in the past because you are such a good athlete and it's going to take you a long time to grow that nuanced game to the point that you can beat other really really elite athletes Mm -hmm. i mean he'd be a fool not to have put some
2: serious work in on his striking for this oh
1: yeah yeah I'm, i'm sure he has i'm sure he's putting the work in it just might be one of those things where you know he's 25 now or 26 now and it might be that it's like you know when he's 30 he's going to be you know yeah, a title a, a champion even you know
2: I think that's very likely he's yeah I've, I've never been anything but extremely impressed with Surikin yeah I just think Ismakulov is a complete fighter yeah and Surikin is not quite there yet
1: odds on that about Armand so you can is the favorite here, opened at minus 225, currently up at minus 189. Demir is Magulov, opened at plus 190, currently at plus 156. I'm, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, me too. Like, I I get that, so you can kind of ran up the division faster, uh, into the rankings faster. People but...
2: remember that fight with Makachev, he's had a main event. I'm going to yes. guess a lot of people betting don't really know who Magulov is.
1: Might be, because Isma is basically, you know, he's lost once in 2015, and yeah. he's fought a lot of good dudes. What is he, and... 20, 24, 25, and 1? Yeah, he's he's 24, 24 and 1, and he, you know, like, so you can, isn't a... If he if he can't get you down, so you can is not a huge like power striking threat. So mm-hmm. he's not very likely to just go out there and knock Ismagulov out, take him mm-hmm. out of this fight in a hurry. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably gonna be a long, pretty long, prolonged battle. And if that's the case, as we were saying, Ismagulov's just a really well schooled fighter. Yeah.
2: It's a great fight. This is, is like this is like that Mitchell Taporia matchup.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but like on a on a fight night card it's it's awesome this is a a a a, an enticing top contenders battle here absolutely love it
1: all right that brings us to a flyweight bout amir albazi alessandro costa
2: and And we uh, take a step down but still (laughs) it's still fine
1: i mean albazi's good and yeah yeah there's nothing wrong for him being a uh 29-year-old who came out of Brave, although he's been fighting a lot longer than I would have thought. He didn't fight that often, but he actually started his career in 2009. That's oh. wild. It feel, I mean, that, that explains why he's such a complete, polished product in the UFC. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he is a very crafty fighter.
1: So, yeah, okay, then he's just getting... At that point, I was gonna be like, "Yeah, he, you know, it's good for the UFC to just like build him up a little, let him get his, you know, get some ring time and all that." But really, this is just gonna be a showcase fight.
2: Well, granted, he started in two thousand nine, and then he took four years off after twenty ten. Yeah, didn't fight again until November of twenty fourteen. But even then, like, yeah. So, but he's had a you know a spotty a career that is it looks longer at a glance than it it actually has been. I mean,
1: he's how many yeah. fights has he had? He's only had sixteen. 16 yeah
2: and he's 29 i mean i think this you know we're looking at a guy in his prime
1: yeah and that's what i was, I was thinking. I, cause I was thinking like oh well he's a prospect he's kind of building up and then it's like take another look it's like oh wait no 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 yeah so he's very much a fighter in his prime fighting like a fighter in his prime
2: yeah i mean i think we can We this matchup is probably best explained as a um the ufc is still trying to rebuild the flyweight division that they needlessly destroyed
1: Yep, and they—I mean, it's a short note. It was supposed to be uh, Brandon Royval. Uh, there it was you supposed go. To be Alex Perez first there to you face go. Amir Al and then it was supposed to be Brandon Royval. Okay, that makes sense. And now it's Alessandro Costa. Yeah.
2: So we're so. just adding in a guy that fought on the Contender series and looked fine, but uh, I don't think got picked up immediately.
1: Yeah, he didn't. Th- that was his... Dana White's. Oh my God. um... For T- I, I told I told Frank Fortita to come hang out with me and watch this because it's the best thing ever. And I'm nobody finished anyone, and I'm really embarrassed. So I'm not going to give contracts to anybody but Joe Pyfer. Except that you know, two months later, everybody off of that uh, that episode where I made that big stand is now in the UFC. Except <laughs> one guy is still hasn't been picked up yet, but probably oh will God. be in the next two months. That is pathetic yeah it was like you embarrassed
2: me in front of my cool friend
1: yes and so so lame they used it to like i'm gonna send a message (laughs) you gotta finish fights and fight hard and then he proceeded to sign every single person who won for the entire rest of the season i can't wait until this slap league bullshit tanks (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be really funny <laughs> yeah i really hope that it that that the realization there is that it's actually first for an internet viral sensation that it's actually really only enjoyed as like a circus oddity yes. and not as like a fully fledged entertainment product it's
2: not a sport
1: i'm sorry no,
2: it's, it's not is- a real sport the matches it's not even like it's like sumo but way less interesting because the matches nope. last like 30 seconds Except it's, there's zero, zero technique, technique, yeah. Zero defense. There's nothing to it. Yeah, you just slap each other.
1: Yeah, it's the the entire the entire technique of the whole thing is based on a how much mass do you have, which is why you see all the huge dudes winning because you can really generate a lot more force off of that mass when you've got two people in static position, and how brave are you to watch the slap actually hit you? Because like we're talking about with Sean Strickland, if you're willing, if you don't, if you you are willing to not close your eyes and flinch, you're going to have a way less likely, you're going to be way less likely to get knocked out.
2: Yeah, it's basically like um, a a sport uh, comprised of, it's a sport that is like a compilation of all of those like bullshito clips of fraudulent charlatan MMA coaches doing quote unquote chin conditioning on their students. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just, here, stand. Put your back against the wall. I'm gonna punch you and see if you can take it. It's but so it, stupid.
1: It's the sport version of middle school games. Like,
2: like let's let's bring quarters. back purring. You ever heard of purring? No, this is very popular in uh, in uh, medieval uh, Scotland and England. Um, you just kick each other in the shins, with, yeah, with uh, wooden clogs on. Let's bring that back.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a it's, good sport. It's, it's quarters, but you're not <laughs> yes. medieval <middle> anymore. <laughs> yeah.
2: Let's have let's forget about the slap league. Let's do Dana White's Indian Burn League. Yeah, that'll yeah. be cool. The hand slap. We could do hand slap league, where you. you <laughs> And the matchups are decided. Um <laughs> the matchups are decided using one of those little folded paper fortune tellers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, you're gonna marry, I mean, you're gonna fight John <laughs> Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's the dumbest thing ever. And it also is very funny. I just found out that it is essentially an excuse for Dana White to cling to the ultimate fighter format. Yep. That's another wrinkle to it I hadn't even considered, but having seen the first actual promo. It's yeah. the Ultimate Fighter.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know So doing it's a it, dumb reality so show. We need we need to train, get the let's get some training footage. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: problem is we're not going to know how good these guys are at slapping without a full training camp.
1: Uh, yeah, I know. You know?
2: It doesn't. It just doesn't tell you how good they really are at slapping they're,
1: people. Yeah, it's you know there have been so many issues with the Ultimate Fighter over the years. I can't believe they don't see that for this another combat sport. Like yeah.
2: Come on. Although, unlike MMA, this is a combat sport where um, having free unlimited alcohol in the house actually does make you better at it.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
2: Everyone just does it drunk. Um. Anyway, it's the stupidest thing ever. I can't <laughs> wait for it to crash and burn. I don't even know how we got onto this topic. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dana White destroyed the flyweight division. He's an idiot.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, good excuse to bring big country back. <laughs> they
2: really should. Right? really should that guy would be a champ
1: yeah i mean dude that's basically how he fought in the cage was just yeah. he hit my big right hand i will throw it at your head really hard yeah and then wait around and wait for you to hit me back and then i'll hit you again
2: i will say i just realized i i would love to see him sign up for the competition and just punch the dude <laughs> <laughs> just instantly cheat and win
1: <laughs> yeah bring back mark Lund. bring back roy nelson yeah. Oh,
2: Mark Hunt would love to do that. Spending all that time with in a house with Dana White, he would be delighted. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, would,
2: he might power slap Dana White's head off. Um. Okay. Enough okay. about the stupidest quote unquote
1: combat sport ever devised. Amir Al bazi Alessandro. Yes. So, uh, there's a reason we haven't been talking about this fight because Amir Al is just it's not a go meaningful match. Yeah. And yeah, he's it's, just gonna...
2: fine. I mean, what are you going to do? The guy was supposed to have two more meaningful fights. They fell yep. through. Uh, Costa is a perfectly valid like um, placeholder fighter. Like I, I'm fine having him at flyweight. Make make some lower level flyweight matchups. He's the kind of guy who populates the mid to lower levels of all the UFC's divisions. Yep. He's solid. He's a slow starter. Um,
1: but low output for a flyweight, which we've harped on over and over again, yep. is a huge problem when you get to the UFC.
2: Quite low output, but also reasonably powerful yep. and pretty technical. Um, yep. and, and pretty well-rounded, especially as a striker. I mean, this is a guy who has TKO'd people with low kicks. Uh, this is a guy who works the body. He's a very good, very good kicker in general, in fact, yeah. and a serviceable boxer. Um, but he's, yeah, he starts slow. He doesn't ever get going very fast and he's just going to get taken down really quickly by Albazi, who is a really solid takedown artist. Um, Among other things, I mean, Albazi has a great jab, too. He's actually a pretty solid pressure boxer himself.
1: Yeah, really functional front foot. uh, You know, there's there's like a little shade of, you know, like RDA or Eddie Alvarez out there in the best parts of his game.
2: Yeah, a little RDA without quite so many kicks, I think, is a a pretty solid comparison. And, um, yeah, I really like his takedown game. He's a very technical wrestler, great Mm -hmm. single legs. For all the times I watch uh, a fight where DC is commenting, and, he, and somebody like ha- is forced to switch to a single because their double leg just ran the opponent into the fence, and now they're splitting their stance and defending. And DC's always like, he's got to go to the single, and then the guy does it, and he's like, okay, now he's, now he's got to run the pipe. Now he's got to run the pipe. Okay, now what he needs to do, <laughs> is and they never do it.
1: I know uh-huh. that is that is actually like the one shining moment for DC on commentary is I when somebody DC's is supposed, to, yeah. yeah, when somebody's supposed to be running through wrestling transitions, he is absolutely on point about where oh, yeah. where they're not where they're going wrong. I love DC's wrestling commentary. Yeah, it is. It is like it's the
2: kind of commentary I'd like to hear about the striking. It's just all about like principled, yeah, progressive techniques like this thing leads to this thing which exposes this opportunity this is how you wrestle anyway albazi does it you know his takedowns are really well layered he doesn't waste time when he gets to a good position he immediately starts attacking the opponent's balance he's an extremely successful takedown artist and he's one of those growing class of flyweights who seem to delight in just killing any possibility of a scramble
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, yeah, he is going to absolutely get a strong start and probably just get better as the fight goes on if he doesn't like submit Alessandro Costa early.
1: Yep. Costa opened at plus 250, jumped up to plus 325, turned up plus 341. Amir Albazi opened at minus 300, dropped down to minus 426, and is currently minus 454. Yeah, I, I get, I am not surprised by those odds. Albazi mm-hmm. is very much a potential title contender in the prime of his career. And Alessandro Costa is a new guy coming in on short notice who does not have a game ideally suited to the current flyweight meta. Yep. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Alex Caceres, Julian Arosa, and what a beautiful fight. Yes. I love this fight. How has this not happened already? It's that kind of matchup. It's that kind of matchup. And what I really love is, because I always love to see this out of guys like Julian Arosa, who has been like a three-time loser in the UFC and uh, has had the hardest path to get anywhere in MMA, is that he has found a path now to getting somewhere and it may not lead him to any Mm -hmm. one big outstanding achievement. You know, the, the big, the big goal and might end up being here that he ends up fighting somebody like Yair Rodriguez and getting absolutely annihilated.
2: He's still going to get pasted in the first round one of these days. It's the thing that always happens, but his, his UFC wins are extremely credible.
1: They are. And this is a really impressive record.
2: This run he's on is honestly very strong.
1: Yeah. He is picking up pieces and find he has found a way to fight his way into the rankings. And I mean, you know, if he wins this fight, he could like fight Chan Sung Jung or something some point in the future, you know? Yeah, he he probably will get a name if he wins this fight. I mean, Caceres yeah. is
2: already right there like kind of a low-level yeah. established name just because he's been around for so long.
1: Exactly, and so like what a great fight for Julian Arosa to, to get it yeah. is also a very winnable fight Absolutely. for him to have. And in fact, I guess that's all preamble to say that I'm picking Julian Arosa here because mm-hmm. Alex Caceres, I mean... Is, he he's also one of those fighters where, like, it's weird because it's taken forever. Just, he's somebody, you know, he's always had a bunch of, a, a lot of talent and a lot of, I think a, a big thing for him is that, you know, he's fairly unflappable and he always has been. So it it always seems like because he's he doesn't get rattled, mm-hmm. and because he can fight anywhere, he's a great scrambler, great grappler. Has good slick moments of technique. He has a very clear understanding of how he should strike. Mm-hmm. So it always seems like he could be very, very good, or yeah, at the very least, fairly successful. He's, and then it just—he's took- too innovative. Yeah. <laughs> it just took forever for fighting to become second for him to get so used to the aspects and the the chaos of a fight and how he should be approaching it to get to a point where you could just trust him to regularly beat the average guy in his division. Yeah. Like that was a huge success getting to that point where he could beat Steven Peterson, Chase Hooper, and Austin Springer and Kevin Croom and yeah. Sung Woo Choi back to back to back to back to back, even though none of them are a standout talent in the division. Yeah.
2: This is this is a guy who in 2017 lost to Wong Guan.
1: Yeah. And, you know, lost to Francisco lost to Rivera in the past. And just like
2: Masanori Kanahara and yeah. Edwin Figueroa, yeah. you know, like. Jimmy had a our... Yeah. There, he How do we not lose. realize we had two of our two of our nerd losers in the last depressed us?
1: Yeah, they uh, fought each other. We should I, we should do that for well, it only lasted two rounds. But I forgot about it. Well, and also the,
2: the nerd beat the stoner in that case. So Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah. But anyway, he got he's gotten to this point where everything has collected into a consistent threat. Mm-hmm. in a way that it wasn't always. That he, you know, now when he has that fight with Sung Woo Choi and he's getting lit up for a round and he finds a little moment that turns into a win. Yeah. Like it's, the the paths to victory are much more second nature than they ever have been before. It still doesn't change the fact though that whatever fight you want to have, Alex Caceres will have that fight with you. 100%. And while he has a better than ever understanding of like, oh, I you know, need to hit slick counters, exit on angles and find the counter on the angle and stuff like that. He's not a dangerous striker. No. I think in part it's because he's always maybe he's just always very happy with the success he does have. Mm-hmm. So there's never like really a pursuit. It's like, oh wow, he just landed a really sharp one, two. And then he's, like, stepping back and, like, brushing off his shoulders, and you, you know, you're like, you should probably just go try to hurt this guy more, right? Yeah. Now.
2: Yeah, He he's not, he doesn't have the kind of intense intensity of focus that you, that, like, makes fighters successful at the highest level. He, yeah. He, he, he doesn't even, like, take pictures. It's just, like, I think oh. he's, he lands a good shot or evades a good shot coming at him, and then he kind of just wants to chill. So, like, Still, people who put intense pressure on him, yeah, they just overwhelm him because he's not. He just puts himself out of position, sort of hoping that they'll agree to have yeah. the fight he wants to have, which is why he ends up having the fight they want to have every time. Yep, he was getting destroyed by Sung Woo Choi before that crazy opportunistic turnaround. Yep, rose is not going to get submitted like that. He's not even going to give up that kind of position. He's not going to do the same kind of damage coming forward, but he's going to do a lot more punching.
1: Yeah. And Arosa, we have now, what we've seen out of late career Arosa here is somebody who is now confident, more confident than ever, that if you don't hurt him instantly and take him out of this fight, he is going to put a fight on you. Yeah. Yeah. And he has reasoned not uh, not
2: unwisely that the best way to prevent you hurting him early is to seize the initiative immediately
1: and not to let it go. Because it used to be that Rosa, back when he was getting knocked out more regularly, he would do this thing where he would he would just start from way outside Mm -hmm. and then he would hop his way into the pocket and be like, okay, we're going to trade now. And then he'd like slide back away and trying, you know, being slick and then start that process over again. And because there were never any strikes to introduce himself as he moved into range, because he was never doing anything to, to hide his intentions, all opponents had to do was just throw something really hard at him as he stepped in, and he would get crushed by it.
2: And he still has zero defense, but he has, yeah. he's figured out, I'm not slick, what I am is mean. Yes,
1: I like, go there and bully people. Just don't ever restart. Start yeah. and never stop. Exactly, and it's working great. And it's working. It's working great. Yeah, beating Charles Jourdain and Hakeem Dewodu. Like, yeah, yeah. All he did with Hakeem Dewodu was like, okay, you're not a big puncher. I am gonna put a fight on you. What are you gonna do about it? And yeah. he just he just beat him up.
2: Yeah, and and a guy like Sungwoo Choi is still going to sleep him, and that will happen again. Yeah. A guy guy who's equally stupidly tough, like Steven Peterson, is going to get a razor-close fight out of him just by agreeing to have those trades. But most fighters don't want to just have a 50-50 brawl. It's almost like Erosa, having been sent to the Shadow Realm like 19 times, he does not fear that it will happen. Yeah, he just doesn't want it to happen. And and, and and again, the way to to prevent it is to just not let you think about how you're going to knock him out. Yeah, you're going to fight me, and you're going to have to keep fighting me nonstop. I'm going to throw 500 punches if you let me, and I'm going to wrestle too. I'm going to pressure you all the time. Guaranteed, Caceres has, has no way of avoiding that fight. Yep. And again, um, Eros is not going to lead the same kind of opportunities that a guy like Sung Woo Choi does. He's he's proven yep. to be super consistent.
1: Yeah, he's so. a veteran. He's enough of a veteran at this point that his his wrestling and grappling games, you know, he can be taken down, mm-hmm. he can be out grappled, but it's not an instant place to just put him away. He's, he has the veteran, he has the skill to scramble and see his way through those, those spots.
2: Yeah, in 37 he's never seven fights, exactly. I was just going to say that, in 37 fights, he's not been submitted once.
1: Yeah, so I got to take Julian Arosa here. If he's yeah. going to get his kind of fight, he's proven that he's going to win that kind of fight. And 100%. For, Caceres, for Caceres, you know, it's, it's a lower level of opponent that he is consistently showing that he can pick up and t- he, he can pick apart.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's going to be fun because is going to come up with some cool ideas. When opportunities appear, he's going to jump on him. But
1: yeah, uh, and it Erosa... may very well be that he will slide out of the pocket on an angle and land a crushing hook that knocks Julian <laughs> Rosa out.
2: This could be the fight where Caceres gets his first round KO. That would be awesome, yep. too.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's got he has the flashes of that, you know, that kind of brilliance. It's just, yeah, his last clean KO win was February of 2010.
2: Yeah. You know. Just isn't he's just not that kind of puncher. He's just not that kind of puncher. So yeah, is going to grind him down.
1: Odds on the fight. Erosa is the favorite here. Opened at minus 150, dropped down to minus 170, currently minus 171. Caceres opened at plus 130, jumped up plus one forty five, currently plus one forty three. Wild to think there's a world where Julian Arosa might be a ranked UFC featherweight. Yeah. Even for like a week. Yeah. You know? Good for him, man. Yeah, I love it. I love to see it. Like I said, too, you get a win like this at the <laughs> a fight like some something like uh, you know, getting that one fight of your career where he gets to fight like Chan Sung Jung or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, you know, that might be what it all comes down to for him. Who else is uh who's who
2: are the other like old dogs just stubbornly sticking in the rankings? Thomas Wanson already
1: dropped to featherweight. Let's see, if there or bantamweight rather
2: yeah there aren't a lot left at featherweight no
1: here, they, featherweight they've actually mostly been drummed out of the division at this point yeah uh the, it's in barboza actually is the other guy
2: yeah although barboza i think might he might wreck Erosa.
1: <laughs> he think might but erosa
2: has the watched. right I- Ooh, that's true erosa has the right idea that's true. It just make Barbosa's better than he was, but he might just make him bounce around by staying on him nonstop. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Well, those are the two fights to make next. Be kind to Julian Arosa, matchmakers. You've you've run yeah. him through the ringer, even on this win streak, and he is uh, he he's found found his final form.
1: It is worth noting, Kassaris, he has actually already been dropped from the rankings. I, I was just looking, Jonathan Pierce has taken his spot at, at number fifteen, but. Mm-hmm. This could
2: still be a breaking into the top 15 kind of performance.
1: Yeah, could be.
2: Either and, uh, way. You is uh, still
1: uh, getting. Uh, I would, if Arosa wins, book him against Barbosa. You know what? Yeah.
2: That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a great matchup. Yeah.
1: All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Drew Dover, Bobby Green.
2: Or as I'm thinking of it, Bobby Green versus what if Nazar Hockbreast was good? which makes it a very enticing matchup yeah yeah because bobby green versus an aggressive puncher is always a recipe for a fun fight
1: always
2: he is going to run them into some razor sharp counters he's going to flex his defense he's going to get nailed yeah hurt at some point but he is then going to come back and just prove that he is one of the hardest dudes in the entire sport Mm -hmm. but um drew dober's good yeah he's actually a good pressure fighter he works the body he puts good combinations together he sets up his shots well he counters as he's pressuring and coming forward he is a very he is what you want a puncher to fight like
1: Uh
2: makes extremely good decisions and um i don't know man i i i i think it it, it it is likely to be very very tough for Bobby Green early even if he he is going to land his jabs you know it's going to be a little little shades of that fight he had with Ali Quinta yeah but Dober is just going to it's going to be like his it's going to be like Green's fight with Dustin Poirier like Dober's just not going to be backed off he is going to be countering even as he's getting hit he's not going to be getting hit as cleanly as Ali Quinta did uh, yeah. he's going to take it better when he does yeah yeah, and I really he, he's he's the other thing, too, is that green he's going he's going th- this is a big part of Poirier's quick win over green is that he is not going to fall into the trap of thinking that Bobby Green's uh, head is as open as it appears. He is going yeah. to whack him in the gut with some huge punches. And I
1: really it. like looking at the basic like a single exchange dynamic of this fight. I really want to pick Bobby Green. Because Drew Dober is, he is a good, fun puncher and he picks good targets and he throws with a lot of power and he's consistent as hell, but he's still not a nuanced puncher. You know, he's still a guy who has to, he he tends to have to break you because you think you can out brawl him. I would say he is a nuanced puncher. It's just, he's a,
2: he's a puncher. He's a, he is a pressure fighting
1: slugger. Like there's
2: just certain things that style is not really suited to. And it's sort of, it, it, it it assumes that I am going to be running forward with my head close to the opponent and giving them opportunities to pick me off on the way in. Yeah. I I have to give them that opportunity because I got to get in there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, even to the point of like, Brad Riddell beating Drew Dover. R- Riddell himself, very much a similar kind of puncher with a much, slightly more nuanced counter game. Yeah. Was able to just consistently find counter opportunities against Drew Dover. Yep. Because Dover will always push for the same kind of fight. Exactly. What I guess I'm saying. Yeah. He's there to be hit. There's only
2: so many ways you can switch up your combinations.
1: Yeah. And so I see a, a single moment dynamic, and I'm like, that's a fight Bobby Green can win. That, that exchange, that moment yep. is going to look so good for Bobby Green. Because mm-hmm. there are going to be moments in this fight where Bobby Green absolutely flummoxes Drew Dover.
2: 100%.
1: Just leaves him swinging at air, cracks him really hard, slides away, and you're like, man... Bobby Green has this dude's number cold. That is it. It is
2: done. Because Bobby Green is the coolest.
1: (laughs) He's super cool, and he's super fun to watch fight in his element. Yep. Then, take a little closer look at Bobby Green's record. Mm Mm-hmm. You realize... That one of the consistent through lines of does Bobby Green win or not mm-hmm. is how frustrated does Bobby Green, is can Bobby Green's opponent be? Mm-hmm. How in their own head can Bobby Green's opponent get? Yeah. Nazrat Haqparast, Ali Aquinta, Alan Patrick. Lando, Venata, Clay Guida, Eric Koch. These are all fighters that can... Well, Guida isn't, and Guida almost beat him. Yep. You know, I was going to say, like, Guida actually made that fight hell on Bobby Green. Yeah. A
2: very recent fight against a very old Clay Guida, and it was still not easy.
1: All the rest of these fighters are fighters... Who can very easily be put in a place where they are not happy,
2: yeah, or they're guys like yet yeah, like like Bros, who he has the head problems but also are just very technically limited, yeah, Green just has way more depth to his boxing, and again, yeah, drew dober's style it, it doesn't scream nuance in the way that Green's style does,
1: but he's got plenty of depth in yeah. the game he wants to play and you know, the thing is, too, is that you don't if you have if you don't get in your own head and if you are willing to keep exchanging with Green, you don't actually have to beat him to win. That's true. <laughs> That's frequently been
2: the case. You just got to stay on him and be there the whole time.
1: Yeah. Like Tiago Moisish beat Bobby Green. Tricar close beat Bobby Green.
2: Judges don't like Bobby Green's style. Yeah. <laughs> I Francis- love it, but judges
1: don't. Francisco Trinaldo beat Bobby Green. You just kind of have to be able to stay on him and keep the exchanges going and you're going to get land some shots and judges are going to they're not going to credit a lot of what Green does because it's, you know, he's looking at being quick and being slick and getting out of the way and so it doesn't a lot of his strikes don't seem like they land with the same emphasis. Yeah. It's easier to, it's easy to discredit his work because a lot of his work is on making sure that he's in a good place to also then be defensive as he moves away. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm with, I'm actually going to pick drew Dober here. I did not expect to do that, but the more I think about it, the more this looks like at the very least a fight where Bobby green might technically beat drew dober and just not get his hand raised
2: that's true it, it's also one of those fights where it's not a, again like he might just knock by green out
1: there's that it ha- doesn't happen very often but it
2: this could. is like the um like the brad riddell fight in a way that uh like dober's fight with brad riddell and that dober starts very fast yeah and he does make adjustments but he's like, he is at his best in the first seven, eight minutes of the fight. Yeah. And then his opponents, if they're good, uh, if they're good counter punchers, good back foot fighters, or if they can stand their ground and stop him from just getting to pressure the whole time. If they have other wrinkles like wrestling, which Bobby green does, um, then they, he just, he becomes a little predictable, you know, what yeah. direction he's moving, you know, what range he's trying to get to, yep. um, and your job becomes to hit him before he gets there, or interrupt him, or just not allow him to corner you. Yeah. And um, so we're really looking at like a if Bobby Green survives the early portion, he might come. It's possible he might come back and and hurt Drew Dober like Brad yeah, Adele did, sure. and like he did to Rafael Fiziev. Yeah. And have some huge moments late, but typically does kind of take a while for Bobby green to get there. He is, he's not just a slow starter. Like he, he is really a third round fighter. Mm-hmm. Third round. Bobby green is a completely different guy. We saw that even as though he was dominating the whole time, his third round against talk was insane. He yeah. crushed talk yeah. in the third Round. Yeah. He just toyed with him the entire time. He gets really, really sharp late. Um, but I, I really think he's he might he might just get badly dropped and hurt early, and he's gonna yeah. be he's also gonna be having his body hit the whole time. Uh, he's going to willingly put himself against the fence. Just don't think that's a good place to spend seven or eight minutes against Drew Dober.
1: Yeah, I I came into this thinking I'd pick drop Bobby Green because like I say, I watch any one exchange right. And I think about it, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, no." The, I Bobby Green. These seem like the kind of exchanges Bobby Green looks good at. It looks good in, but yeah, he has to put in such a he has to put in such a thorough whole fight of work to exactly, win.
2: Exactly, exactly. And 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 the the likelihood of somebody picking up a big moment in single exchanges seems it's really, always
1: there. Yeah, it's, it's really Dover. Yeah, so I'm gonna pick Drew Dover as well. Yep. Dover it's going to be a
2: great fight. I don't think it's yeah. an easy pick, but um, no. Dober's going to have a very strong start.
1: Great fight. Both men, not strangers to losing. Both always a lot of fun. Love the yep. fight. Dober opened to minus 110, dropped to minus 155, currently down at minus 158. Bobby Green opened at minus 110, jumped up to plus 135, currently at plus 131. Reasonable. Yeah. All right. That brings us to our final fight of the main card. Michael Alexajic, Cody Brundage, Woo! And um, I have been pleasantly surprised by Cody Brundage. Sure. He seems like he has ideas. He does not look like a kind of guy who has ideas. (laughs) Um, But he has been having them. And (laughs) I mean, like, really, though, come on, you know,
2: Somewhere beneath that sloping brow, ideas—ideas <laughs> ideas are so, fermenting.
1: Somewhere deep b- beneath that simian continence,
2: <laughs> deep—somewhere two to three inches past the first four layers of his skull. Yeah, yeah. Which he uses to uh, to compete with other Cody Brundages for mating rights. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are ideas just bubbling away in there, but. Like I got
1: to give it credit, you know. He he yeah, went yeah. out there and he's like having this slugging fight with Dolce, Dalchelunji and Bula, and just jumps on a guillotine. Yeah, I was, you know,
2: I was even somewhat impressed with this fight with Nick Maximov. Sure. Um, just because he couldn't compete with Maximov's awful, frustrating wrestling early, but he did prove himself to be a crafty fighter who, like, he he wasn't broken. Yeah. By an intensely frustrating fight. In fact, he kind of got madder and got more focused and found more and more opportunities as the fight went on. Like, yeah, he's he's a tough, crafty fighter for sure. Yeah,
1: And uh, Sean Gore thought he could just go walk him down and Brundage gave up pressure and then just clubbed him. Yep. You know, like. Yep. He's setting little traps in there. Yeah, it's, it is honestly like, I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Alexajic is going to run through him and pants him.
2: <laughs> yeah
1: like it's just if you're willing to let Treshawn Gore walk you down
2: yeah with no volume just he wants to so you let him
1: yeah Alexey Juk will just yeah he he feels like such a bully at middleweight. I am sure this is one of those things where like you know he prided himself on being the scrappy little light heavyweight the guy the the little Mac puncher and punch out you know just being that being that dude being that that fly in the ointment and it was probably such a wrench to get him to go down to middleweight and then he walked out there against sam alvey was that his first uh-huh, middle? uh-huh. he walked out there against sam alvey he was like wait a minute wait <laughs> <laughs> i'm huge
2: yeah.
1: i'm just Apparently, gonna it- stop this dude
2: Granted, it was Sam Alvey, but we have we have literally seen Alexeya crush people quickly with that approach against much bigger fighters.
1: Yes, he is capable of doing it. He is aggressive. He's hard to hurt. Yeah, he is tireless. Well, and I tireless necessarily. Well, I mean, he he he
2: gassed himself against OSP.
1: Yeah, but OSP is literally like two divisions bigger than him.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying like yeah. if you do survive, Oleksagec doesn't really ex- he doesn't really have a throttle.
1: No, but his classic form of beating people on the regionals was to just work them so hard that they got yes. tired before he did. Yes. And I just don't think that Brundage is going to have a obvious answer to that. Yeah. Know?
2: I I think it it does depend on Brundage's toughness, which I, I yeah. I'm, I'm not I don't have a super clear picture of. Um, how much punishment he can sustain? I mean he got knocked out quickly by William Knight on the contender series, yeah um but typically he's he's quite durable. Oleg Sajuk isn't exactly like a one punch k o machine most of the time he he wears people down that's what but i think
1: I think this middleweight move is really that's good true. for yeah. him that's what I'm saying is that I think suddenly now Oleg Sejic is like, I'm a giant here.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to make that call confidently just on the back of a win over 95-year-old Sam, Sam Alvey.
1: But I I don't I, – I think this is – I think Brundage is going to let Alexejic yeah. try to have the same kind of fight.
2: Yeah, And I,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I think the same kind of <clears throat>
2: That's clearly a great dynamic for Alexejic. Yeah. It's just that Sam Alvey, he's always had a skull-like grin, but now he is literally just a skull. Like, yeah. He's old. He's washed. Bleached I, I by the sun. I
1: understand. I'm just, you know,
2: I, I'm I really i with you. I'm, I'm going to pick Oleksajic. The thing is, is that he is Brundage is going to let him pressure, and he's going to come out, and he is going to make it a lot harder for Brundage to be resourceful as the fight goes on by whacking him in the ribs a ton of times super early. Yeah, and pressuring him, and
1: yeah, it's, he's just, uh, a, he's, he's just a much craftier puncher than anyone Brundage has faced so far. And he's overwhelming. Yeah, and he's overwhelming. It's a bad combo. Yeah, but I like I say I've been I've been really impressed by Brundage. Honestly, like mm-hmm. I I saw that fight with Max and I was like, okay, these two are meatheads who can only wrestle. This is not good MMA. This is terrible. And Brundage has come around and proven that like he can do other things and that he's thinking about doing other things, mm-hmm. which I'm really impressed by. So. Yeah, he's a little
2: Ian Hynish-y, which means yep. at some point, possibly here, someone's gonna like figure him out and it's all gonna stop working. But yeah, but he's crafty. I like that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, Krajic opened at minus two twenty five, dropped down to minus two seventy two, is at minus minus two seventy seven. Brundage opened at plus one ninety, jumped up to plus two twenty two, is currently up at plus two twenty three. It should be noted that whenever I feel supremely confident about a pick, that usually feels like the moment when <laughs> that fight just totally melts down <laughs> and makes me look really terrible. So yeah, I'll but just throw hey, that.
2: you know he beat Sam Alvey. First Sam Alvey, next the world.
1: That's right. That's how it. <laughs> that, that's how so, it works. Yeah oh all right on that note you can find me on twitter at These zane simon you can find connor on twitter at boxing bush you can find both of us over at give us a like subscribe to our podcasts on Elbow presents on soundcloud youtube itunes spotify stitcher all those good places as always the mma Vivisection section is brought to you by chris reeney and his book the fine art of violence which you can find over at chris C H R I S R I N I. dot thanks everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time
0: The Level Change Podcast. The MMA Section, The 6th Round Post Fight Show. 6th Round Retro. The MMA Depressed Us. Crooklyn's Corner. Exclusive Fighter Interviews. Show Money. Guest Podcasts. The Hey Not The Face Podcast. And Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BloodyElbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com